Well, we may not be singing showers of blessing, but we're going to be looking at a storm in the Bible. So if you have a copy of God's Word, one of us is spiritual, Mark. Uh, look, at the book, <laughs> look at the book of John, chapter 6. As, as Mark said, we continue our series in the book of John. Book of John, chapter 6. We begin reading with verse 15. This is one of those stories that the secular world cannot accept. This is one of those stories, uh, through the years, when I have talked to people who have doubts about God, they read this story and they just cannot accept it. And yet, it's a true story. In the book of John, chapter 6, beginning in verse 15, this is after the feeding of the 5,000. It says, so Jesus, perceiving that they were intending to come and take him forth to make him king, withdrew again to the mountain by himself alone. Now when evening came, his disciples went down to the sea, and after getting into a boat, they started across the sea to Capernaum. It had already become dark, and Jesus had not yet come to them, and the sea began to be stirred up because of a strong wind was blowing. Then when they had rowed about three or four miles, they saw Jesus walking on the sea and drawing near to the boat, and they were frightened. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. And so they were willing to receive him into the boat, and immediately the boat was at the land to which they were going. Let's pray. Our Heavenly Father, tonight as we open your word, and Father, as we examine it, we thank you, Father, for this passage. Because, Father, what the disciples went through in the physical storm of life we go through many storms of life. And Father, we ask you to help us tonight to learn the, the lessons from this lesson. But also, Father, that our thoughts may be continually on our Lord Jesus. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Of all the miracles, for some reason, I think this is the one that's the most amazing. I mean, this, this is the one. Now, later on, we're going to be looking at the raising of Lazarus, and maybe that is, but I think for most people, it's this story. Have you ever noticed in the Bible how many times walking has a theme? I've always wanted to do a series of messages entitled Walking Through the Bible, where you have God walking through the bi- garden in the cool of the day, or you have the story of Abraham who took walking out into the desert as he's going, or the Moses and the children of Israel walking in the wilderness. Or Jesus walking, carrying his cross to the hill. And here's another story of walking. And yet this one is different because now we find our Lord Jesus walking on water. This story is found in the book of Matthew. It's found in the book of Mark. And it's found in the book of John. You put them all together, you get a better picture of what's taking place. But what's interesting to me is John leaves out something. Matthew and Mark tells us a little detail about this story that John completely leaves out. And what John leaves out is the fact that in this event, Peter gets out of the boat and walks on water to Jesus. John doesn't mention that. I mean, so many people say, well, did it happen? Yes, it happened. But why wouldn't John put that in this passage? Well, do you remember the purpose of the book of John? John tells us, we looked at that the first first sermon of this series, John wrote this book so that we will know Jesus. 
John doesn't want to take anything away from Jesus. What John is basically saying is, you need to focus on Jesus. Don't focus on his followers. Don't focus on Peter. You might get sidetracked. I want you to focus on Jesus. This miracle. I am amazed how many people come up with ideas trying to explain it away. Uh, again, when I lived in Huntsville, we had a lot of scientists and, and physicists, and every now and then they would, uh, I would talk to the secular crowd, and they would talk to me about this passage. For example, they said, well, don't you realize this is physically impossible? Yeah, it's called a miracle. I mean, what do you want me to say? Uh, don't you realize what happened? Jesus was walking on the shore, and the disciples were confused because of the storm. Jesus was simply walking on the shore. They saw Jesus walking on the shore. They thought, oh, he must be walking on the water, and that's the explanation. Okay, how did Jesus get in the boat? My favorite one, and, and my favorite explanation, a man told me this in Huntsville. Years later, I read it in a book. There was an article written by a scientist who speculated that an odd combination of atmospheric condition may cause rare patches of ice floating in the Sea of Galilee. He said it's rare. If odds are less than once every thousand years, this phenomenon occurs. And this man was telling me that Jesus was on a patch of ice, and that was the reason. And I said, so let me understand this. You're telling me it's easier for you to conclude that Jesus just happened to be at the right place at the right time in the Middle East to find some floating ice to get on top of to float out to a boat. You're telling me it's easier for you to believe that Jesus surfed on a patch of ice as opposed to believing in a supernatural God walking on water. I said this years ago. Belief in God increases the possibility of miracles by 100%. If you can believe in God, you can believe in the miracles. So this evening, I want to look at this, this miracle of, of Jesus, and I want to look at it from the standpoint of what he's showing us about how to handle storms. Because this is a physical storm, and we're going to see some lessons here. It also reminds us of what to do with our fear. The disciples are scared, and Jesus is going to calm their fear. Now, if you go back to the book of Genesis, the first recorded conversation that we have between God and man, there is a fear factor. Adam said, I was afraid. That's why I hid from you. So all the way from Genesis to even today, we have this fear issue. And here is a story reminding us of how to conquer and look at our fears. So let's look at it. First of all, we need to understand the storm. This takes place right after the feeding of the 5,000. The disciples are going to go ahead across the Sea of Galilee. Jesus, we learn from Matthew and Mark, went up into the mountain to pray. And that's what John implies in verse 15. He said, they went to the mountain by himself alone. So I want you to notice what's taking place understanding this particular storm. First of all, we see the departure of Jesus. Now, Jesus knew all things. I believe that with all my heart. He knew what the disciples were going to face. Jesus knew the Bible. In fact, Mark says he sent them across. Jesus knew that they were going to face the storm, and yet he still sent them to the storm. 
Storms occurs even when we listen to Jesus. Storms occur even if we're in the middle of the will of God. Following Jesus will not exempt you from the storms of life, but following Jesus will give you the peace to handle the storms and the strength to handle the storms. We see that here. They listened to Jesus, they followed Jesus, and they ended up in the middle of a storm. You see, here's our problem. The storm is not the enemy. We always think the storm is the enemy. Storms don't have to be your enemy. I mean, storms can actually be your best friend because of what you learn from the storm. For example, if I went around the room and I asked everyone, tell me about when you grew the most in your faith. I would imagine 90% of us would say, the time I grew the most in my faith was in a storm. It's the storms of life that teach us how to hold on to God. It's the storms of life that we really learn to trust in God. And I've shared some of the storms that I have gone through in my life. When we went to New Orleans to go to seminary, uh, we went three months. We couldn't find a job. Uh, we had saved our money. We had money prepared. And, it, and the day we spent our last dollar, literally our last dollar, is when we got a job. And that three-month storm taught me to trust Jesus in financial issues. The death of my father, that was a storm. I was 12 years old. My father took me to school. He went home and died of a cerebral hemorrhage. That storm taught me to trust Jesus in times of death. The, Eileen's mom, she had cancer. We walked through that storm. And even in her death, we learned to trust the peace of God in that storm. There have been many storms in my life. Because of those storms, I have grown in, in Christ. And some of the storms, I, there's, some of the ways I've grown in Christ would never have taken place if it had not been a storm. Mark Twain once said, a man who carries a cat by tail learns something no one else can learn. I can tell you all day, don't carry a cat by the tail. The moment you carry a cat by the tail, you're going to learn something. Same thing with storms. When we go through storms, we learn things. It is through the storms that we grow. So storms are not the enemies. Storms can actually be our friends. Now, we grow in many ways. Don't misunderstand. Some of us grow in storms. Some of us grow in solitude. Some of us grow in, in times of blessing. But, but listen, a lot of times it's the storms we grow. So here's the departure of Jesus. But then I want you to notice the dilemma of the, the disciples. The disciples take off them in the Sea of Galilee, and they're going across. And notice all the problems they had. First of all, they had the distance from the shore. Now, when the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting in the boat, they started to cross the sea to Capernaum. They started to cross. Look at verse 19. They rode about three or four miles. They're far out. They're not close to the shore. There came a point in that journey. They were too far to turn back, and, and they were too tired to keep going. Because of the distance, they struggled. They were trying to, their best to row across to the other side. Matthew and Mark talks about this struggle. They were tired fighting this storm, but it was because of the distance. Maybe you're like the disciples to this night, this evening. Maybe you're like the disciples, you're physically worn out. Maybe you're tired of rowing and rowing, trying to get to where you're going because of your storm of life. Maybe you're like the disciples tonight, and you're in the middle of a storm, and you're emotionally worn out, and you don't know how you're going to have the energy to continue. You're at a point of no return. You can't go back, and you can't go forward. The distance makes a difference. 
But not only that, the darkness of the night. I mean, John says it. He said, now when the evening came, his disciples went down to the sea. And after getting the boat, they started to cross over. And it had already become dark. John is putting emphasis there on the darkness of the night. Matthew does too. Mark does too. Matthew chapter 14, verse 25 said, they were around the fourth watch, about 3 a.m. to 6 a.m. in the morning. They're trying to get across. It is dark. Have you ever noticed when something gets dark, it changes how you think? I'm, I'm, right now, I am, I am praying that our electricity doesn't go out. That is not an example of this sermon. But when the electricity goes off, when it's dark, all of a sudden you get like, what am I supposed to do? Because darkness always intensifies fear. In the middle of the night, that's when your imagination runs wild. I don't know if you've ever been in an old house at night. It's amazing what you hear at night. You can walk through a cemetery in the daytime. You ever walk through a cemetery at night? I don't care if you're superstitious or not. There's something creepy about it. Why? Because there's darkness. Darkness always represents the unknown. When you don't know what's going to happen, your fear rises. When you don't see what's going on, your fear rises. And maybe, again, you're like the disciples here tonight. Maybe you're facing the unknown. Maybe you're in the dark. You don't know your options. You don't see how you're going to get out of a situation. The unknown is your darkness, and it's increasing. But also, not only the darkness of the night and the distance from the shore, there's also the disturbance of the wind. Again, verse 18, the sea began to stir up because a strong wind was blowing. John makes an emphasis of this great wind, one translation put. This wind is causing the wave to crash on the boat. This wind is blowing so hard they couldn't move. They are rowing and getting nowhere. You know what that wind represents here? Loss of direction. I mean, you think about it. They're, they're in the middle of a storm. They're in a boat. They're trying to row. It's in the middle of the night. They can't see the stars. They can't see the shore. Now the wind's blowing. Probably means they're, they're going in circles. If you take Matthew and Mark account, you can figure out they rowed about six hours trying to get across because of this loss of direction. And maybe you're like the disciples here tonight. Maybe you're in a storm and you are lost in your direction. You don't have a sense of direction where you're going to go. You don't know where God is leading you. Maybe you feel like you're just going in circles, saying, Lord, what is going on? You see, that fear can rob you of that sense of direction and keep you from going forward. But also, there's the danger of the water. You know, for most of us, when we talk about our storms, we're not talking about life and death situations. But if this storm overturns the boat, they're dying. Storms on dry land, when your feet are on the ground, that's one thing. When you're in the middle of a lake, in the middle of the night, in the middle of a storm, and that boat overturns, it changes everything. To them, that meant the end of something. If, this, if we go overboard, it's the end. Maybe you're like the disciples tonight. Maybe you're in a storm and, and you're looking at the end of something. Maybe the end of a relationship, the end of an of event, the end of finances, the end of security, the end of health, maybe even the end of a life. I don't know what the storm may be, but if you're not careful, this is what happens. You've got to understand the storms. So what's the problems with the storm? You know, 
if you look at storms, I can tell you the problems. First is the timing of storms. You ever notice storms come on their timetable and not ours? We never plan for storms. The running joke at our church here, every time there's a storm, it's going to be on Wednesday night. Because we've got to make decisions. We hate Wednesday night decision making. Or it's going to be Saturday night. We don't like that because we've got to make decisions. We can't put storms on our timetable. And storms, we don't know how long they're going to last. Some of our storms in life may last us an hour. Some may last a year. Some may last a decade. Some of our storms may last the duration of our lives. Here are the disciples. They've been rowing and rowing and rowing for hours, and the storm is still there. They didn't anticipate the storm, and the storm hasn't stopped. There's always a problem the timing of storms. Second, there's always a problem the trouble of storms. You know why we don't like storms in life? We lose control. Whenever there's a storm, we lose control. We can't control the weather. We can't control the lightning. We can't control the ice. We can't control the snow. In the same way in storms in our life, we, we get uh, disoriented because we can't control it. And sometimes in a storm, what happens, we feel like we're just hanging on. We want to control something. We want to do something. But that's the trouble with storms because we have no control. But then there's also the problem, the testings of storms. Because there's a test here. It's implied. Mark tells us a little bit more about this test. They were on the mountaintop experience. They'd just seen Jesus feed 5,000 people. I mean, they've, they've got to be high-fiving one, five, one another. They, they just gathered 12 baskets of food left over. They're, they're looking, oh, look at this. This is incredible. We're going to have a great time. And from that event, they end up in a storm. Again, remember the Mount Transfiguration? We talked about it already. When you're a mountaintop experience, watch out, because right after that, you're going to be in a demonic world. Here they had a great experience, and now they're in the middle of a storm. I mean, that's what Paul writes about when he talks about this thorn in his flesh. He, he, in that context, he's talking about experiencing heaven, and then he talks about his thorn in the flesh. Listen, be very careful. After a mountaintop experience, be careful. The storms will come right after that because they are tests in the storms. So, how do you survive? How do you survive the storms? Well, look at it. First, we need to remember to focus on Jesus. We need to focus on Jesus. You know what you need to do? Remember, first of all, that Jesus is praying for you. What was Jesus doing? when he sent them across the, the sea. Mark said he was praying for them. You see, while they were in the storm, Jesus was thinking about them. The deliverance of Jesus is not when he arrived at the boat. The deliverance of Jesus happened while he was praying for them. Mark says in Mark chapter 6, verse 46, he was there praying. When you are in a storm, remember Jesus is praying for you. The writer of Hebrews chapter 7 says that we have a high priest who makes ever uh, intercessions for us. Jesus is praying. Now, could they see Jesus on the mountaintop? No, they couldn't even see the hand in front of their face. But Jesus could see them. The supernatural God could see them. 
And Jesus is praying. In fact, Mark gives that information. He, he says in Mark chapter 6, verse 48, he saw them straining at the oars because the wind was against them. He saw them. The idea is that he knew exactly what they were going through. Here's the, here's the deal. You may not can see Jesus in the darkness, but Jesus can always see you in the darkness. When you are in a storm and you don't know if God's there, let me tell you, he is there. He is looking and he is seeing you. He's praying. There's 7 billion people on this planet and God sees you. That's what the psalmist said in Psalm 139. How precious to me are your thoughts, God. Were I to count them, they were outnumber the grains of the sand. The psalmist says, I can't even imagine how great you are, God. Billions of people on the planet and yet God knows about every one of us and you may be wondering well if jesus cares so much for the disciples why did he let them go out into the storm i mean why do i have to go through my storms jesus knew the storm was coming didn't he exactly he in fact he made them go through the storm but he was praying for them to get through the storm he was teaching them a lesson said it this morning sometimes we go through dark struggles but if you serve God, he's always there. Ethel Waters made that song very famous when she said, Why should I feel discouraged? Why should the shadows come? Why should my heart feel lonely and long for heaven and home? When Jesus is my portion, a constant friend is he. His eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. I sing because I'm happy, and I sing because I'm free. His eyes on the sparrow, and I know he watches me. Remember that Jesus is praying. The question is, are you focusing on Jesus? Number two, remember to look for Jesus. Look for Jesus. Look at verse 19. They were rowed about three or four miles. They saw Jesus walk on the water and drawing near, and they were frightened. Now, they were already frightened about the storm. But he said to them, it is I, do not be afraid. Matthew chapter 14, Mark chapter 6, and John chapter 6 all emphasize them seeing Jesus. This is very important in the telling of the story. They saw Jesus. That was the moment that brought them peace. When you find yourself in the eye of a storm, when you find yourself in a storm, that's the time you better be looking for Jesus. That's the time you need to be focused and looking and remember to look for Jesus. Don't, don't look at the storm. Looking at the storm is not going to help you at all. You need to look at Jesus. But also you need to remember to listen to Jesus. Look what Jesus said, verse 20. He says, it is I, do not be afraid. You know, amazing to me, we, we read this story and we always focus on what Jesus was doing. I think we should focus on what Jesus was saying. Jesus said two things, very important. The first thing he said, it is I. The Greek language basically is I am. Heard that before? It's the same phrase that God said to Moses, the burning bush. Jesus says, I am. Jesus is telling the disciples, listen to me. I am God. Tell me, who are you? I am. I am God. And then he says, because he is God, do not be afraid. You put those two together. If Jesus simply said, do not be afraid, well, I'm going to be afraid. I'm, I see a storm. But Jesus puts them together. He says, I am. I am God. And because I am God, I'm walking toward you. Why are you afraid? 
The Bible says, do not fear, for I am with you. Do not be afraid, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will hold on to you with my righteous right hand. When you are facing a storm, listen to Jesus and what Jesus will say to you. He's going to remind you that he is God. But he's also going to remind you, don't be afraid. But also, we need to remember to receive Jesus. Verse 21. So they were willing to receive him into the boat. In other words, they welcomed him. You see, you can see Jesus, and you can hear Jesus. The question is, do you receive Jesus? You can see Jesus, you can hear Jesus, but the question is, do you receive him, what he is saying? Do you receive him into your life? Now, if you go back and look at the story of Matthew, Mark, and John, they were afraid of the storm. And then when Jesus calmed the storm in Matthew and Mark, they became even more frightened because they saw a picture of God's power. Jesus never promised us smooth sailing. He promised us a sure destination. Jesus invited them, go to the other side. The moment Jesus told them to go to the other side, they were going to get to the other side. And now he's there. When you receive Jesus, when you invite him into your life, he has control of everything in your life. And that's a lordship issue. And I don't care what storm you may be facing tonight. I don't care what storm you'll face in your life. You will never face a storm bigger than your Savior. Here's an observation. You know what they feared the most in the story? Before Jesus came on the scene, the water. They were sailors. Sailors. They, they were afraid of the water. They were afraid of drowning. And here comes Jesus walking on the water. Do you understand? The water was under the feet of Jesus. In the Bible, Whenever they speak of someone under someone's feet, they're talking about authority over it. For example, in Genesis chapter 3, it says that the seed of the woman, talking about Jesus, would crush the head of the serpent, Satan. In other words, Jesus has authority over Satan. Or the Bible talks about how, how the Lord had made the earth his footstool. In other words, God has authority over the earth. Here's this life changing truth nothing under the feet of Jesus, can ever be over your head. If it's under the feet of Jesus, he has authority over it. So he can't be over you. And in a storm of life, it says that God has elevated our perspective so that we can see things as Jesus. That's why Paul, we talked about this a few weeks ago, Paul loved that phrase, in Christ. Seventy times he used that phrase, in Christ. Christ in me speaks of power, but in Christ speaks of position. I can either look at my problems from my perspective, or I can look at my problems from Jesus' perspective. Jesus is always going to be over my problems. Every now and then, we'll ask somebody, how are you doing? And they'll say, well, I'm doing pretty good under the circumstances. Well, get, uh, get away from under the circumstances. I mean, it'd be like asking, hey, how did you sleep last night? Pretty good under the mattress. 
Well, why are you under the mattress? Get, out, you know, get on top of the mattress. Under the circumstances, well, get away from under the circumstances and get on top of the circumstances because you are in Christ. He has authority over your circumstances. He has authority over your life. He has authority over everything. Why are you living under it? So whatever fear you have, whatever you are facing, I promise you tonight, it is under his feet. He has the authority. And you should be looking at your problem, not from your eyes, but from his perspective, that he has power over it. And if you look at it from his perspective, you'll hear those words, three words, don't be afraid. You say, how can you be sure? Because the worst storm that ever happened in the history of the world happened on a Roman cross, the crucifixion, where Jesus, our Lord, was nailed to a Roman cross and faced all the sins of the world. That's the worst storm ever. And Jesus conquered it. His love was so deep, his love was so powerful, he silenced the sin storm that stood between humanity and the divine God forever. And if Jesus didn't abandon us in the violent storm called Calvary, why would he ever abandon us in whatever storm we are facing? Don't be afraid. Have you received him? If you haven't received him, you can do it tonight by admitting you're a sinner, saying, Lord, I can't save myself. I've messed up. Lord, I believe that Jesus died for me. I believe he died on that cross 2,000 years ago. I believe he died. He was buried, and on the third day, he arose. And Lord, I confess. I confess everything to you. You're my Lord and my Savior. Would you do that tonight? If you're watching online, if you would, if you would like to give your life to Christ, if you would text the word today, at 270-398-5005, a minister will give you a call and talk to you about your decision. But if you're here tonight and you'd like to give your decision, like to make that decision tonight, will you do so? Would you stand and bow your heads? Heavenly Father, we all face storms in life. It's possible some or maybe all the people here tonight are facing a storm. But, Father, we have learned through your word that it, whenever we face a storm, we are to focus on Jesus. To remind us, Father, again tonight that he has all authority. That everything is under his feet. He has authority over everything. And in the storms of our lives, we can focus on him and have our peace. Father, whatever decisions that need to be made tonight, Father, I pray you speak and may people listen. In Jesus' name we pray. And for his glory, amen.